0: A storm is coming, our storm, and when it arrives, it will shake the universe. Emperor, we come for you!
1: Savage. these chaplet uh, episodes are intended to be smaller and shorter pieces easier for me to produce and easier for you to listen to in one sitting the intention is to attempt a weekly schedule with these so please dear listeners harass me on twitter at doc savage 45b as in bravo if you wish to hear more of these With that in mind, let us pray. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiriti Sancti. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Divine Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls o glorious prince saint michael chief and commander of the heavenly hosts guardian of souls and vanquisher of rebel spirits servant of the house of the divine king and our admirable conductor you who shine with excellence and superhuman virtue deliver us from all evil who turn to you with confidence and enable us by your gracious protection to serve God more and more faithfully every day. Amen. Why are we here, dear listeners? Why am I here? So that by preaching to you the reason for the hope that lives in me, that I might win over others to that hope, and that together we might do the impossible, that we might change the world and for the better. Well, what would that world look like? What would it... What would it mean? Would it mean mean restoring the heir of the Stuart throne to Westminster? Or installing him in Washington? Would it mean founding again the Holy Roman Empire? (laughs) Quite honestly, people, at this point, I'd settle for a little less progress, A little less revolution, a little less degeneracy being shoved down our throats. But it's important for us not to place our hopes in this world, in princes or politicians. Our hope is for the next world. Our king, our true king, is eternal, as is his kingdom. Down here on earth, we do the best as we can you know I wasn't always well I wasn't always a Nazi <laughs> how did how did this recovering spiritual Yankee this neoconservative patriotard liberty crusader turn into an authoritarian, a reactionary a fascist, an anarcho-monarchist out of control one might say it was the journey of a lifetime That I've always been here, or that I've always been moving here, that I've finally come home. Or one might say that I've read too much, seen too much, and put two and two together and gotten fifteen. Something is wrong with the world, something deep, something just under the surface, just in our peripheral vision, but never quite in focus. Why why do I feel like an alien in my own time and place? What does it mean to be a man in a culture that despises manliness? What does it mean to be an American when the pillars of society and culture say that being American means everything anything, which is to say nothing? What if everything we know is simply just not so? What if those assholes at Harvard and Yale at the Daily Costs are more authentically American than any of us redneck Jesus landers? That's something to think about, isn't it? I was born and raised as one of those redneck Jesus landers. My earliest experiences are of the late Cold War period I mean I remember watching Reagan's second inaugural on TV I remember seeing Red Dawn and believing that this was something that I would, I would experience myself one day I remember earthquake drills where we hid under our desks. (laughs) I don't believe that that was really for earthquakes. I remember seeing the wall come down on TV. And I remember seeing the, the intifada. You know maybe Socrates is right maybe ignorance is bliss but it's too late for me I think it's too late for you dear listeners we know things (laughs) you know I was I was raised to be a Mormon at least initially but like many of my generation I was raised in a broken home bouncing between mother and father Only getting church in fits and starts. Only experiencing faith as if it was a buffet of religiosity. A smorgasbord of traditions. I do remember, from an early age, having a fondness for traditional apostolic rites, whether Eastern or Western. But... Because, well, I was a stupid teenager. I rebelled. See, my dad was a seeker of truth, and after a certain point, I really didn't want to start over (laughs) on a on a new a new path. I certainly, as a teenage boy, did not want to meditate or talk about my feelings or examine the conscience or anything like that. So I I decided I was agnostic and just couldn't be bothered about this stuff. Naturally, this de facto atheism led me to strange places. I mean, I I became a God forbid a libertarian you know it seemed natural enough at the time I mean I read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers and Common Sense and Thomas Paine and John Stuart Mill and Milton Friedman and Ayn Rand and all of them and I was reading stuff you know like American Survival Guide and Soldier of Fortune and all that stuff very 1990s anti-Pinko anti-Clinton John Birch society proto-info wars type stuff and then I God help me I read David Icke and there is exhibit A for why we need an inquisition and a index Librorium prohibitorum in this day and age I mean, I was convinced that the Gospels were essentially forgeries for a while. I mean, wrap your head around that, if you will. Don't read bad books and eat your veggies, children. It was... My life changed, you know. In 2001... I think we all remember what happened that year. I had just graduated from high school, actually. And, uh, well, it seemed like a thing to do to volunteer. So I joined the army. I completed my training just in time to join my unit, deploying to Kuwait so we could invade Iraq in 2003. You'd think that it was my time as an enlisted soldier that knocked the wind out of my libertine jib, but sadly that isn't so. Like many of my fellow soldiers, especially us white males from the American South of the West, I could very easily reconcile military discipline with liberty, especially seeing as we were all professionals, highly paid to be subject to UCMJ and the command of our officers. No, Fam. It was the real world. At least the corporate world that slapped that stupid out of me. Look, anyone who's been enlisted knows how fouled up the military is. How many dirt bags you have to carry to accomplish the mission? How everyone's younger <laughs> than you than you could possibly expect. Given what we have to do, the importance of things. But somehow we got stuff done in highly stressful situations. I mean, people literally trying to kill us, literally shooting at us without any of the usual comforts or even the proper tools half the time. Now, the civilian world's different, stuff doesn't get done. And when it does, it's always the same two or three people in the room, the same top 20%, carrying everyone else along the finish line. What's the difference? You know, that's a question that haunted me for a long time. And it it was around that time, after I'd been mustered out and working in the corporate hellhole, soulless, multi-global, national... <laughs> mick corporation you know i I read something that kind of really changed the way i look at the world you know surprising or perhaps not it was a work of fiction it was uh, a work of science fiction sm sterling wrote uh dies the fire around this time and this is a strange story of a world where electricity and pneumatics stop working. No electro-gadgets, no nigger tech, no internal combustion engines, no guns, no explosives, no steam power, nothing fancier than the hydraulics and springs. Well, you can imagine what that world looked like after all all the dying finished. You get you know, uh, a medieval world with uh, modern people who have experienced uh, the end of everything. Yeah, it's a it's a fun book. You know, it's it's got knights and archers and magic and mystery and monks and quests and visions, blood and thunder, all that good stuff as a long time red state survivalist type it struck me how central food agriculture is to our our very lives and how we all take it for granted you know and how much sheer physical labor it takes to get a harvest in when you have no machines you know I started to realize that survivalism as it's usually conceived the collection of stuff <laughs> stockpiling of of shelf stable food and ammunition and whatnot I mean it's just, it's it completely misguided how is a nuclear family going to protect this stockpile you can't. You don't even have enough able hands enough trigger pullers for a fire watch let alone alone a perimeter guard. No. The only intelligible unit of survival is a community. And, And what binds a community a tribe together is a story a myth a shared experience shared suffering because ultimately man does not live by bread alone at the same time I was also reading the 5,000 year leap yeah I know patriotard <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking okay I can reconcile the story of the west the myth of, of the west and let's be honest here the myth of Christendom the christian faith with the classical liberalism i.e. the american revolutionary movement modern day libertarianism i mean this is this is the milieu i'm coming out of i can reconcile these things two things together there's only one problem with this 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 combination it's all of these obnoxious atheist liberals who happen to like property that claim to be the true inheritors of Thomas Paine and Patrick Henry. And if you go back and look at the anti-Christian stuff that comes out of the American Revolution, frankly, they're not entirely wrong. And then you dig a little deeper into the actual history of of the myth of the West, of Christianity itself, of Christendom, the Middle Ages. And one finds an even bigger problem with squaring this circle of making this classical liberalism compatible with an authentic Christianity. And that's that this classical liberalism is very much a Protestant project. And that Protestantism itself is a product of the so-called Renaissance. The very same Renaissance that gives us modern-day liberalism. All this humanism, atheism, Marxism, ideological crap. Oops. Now, I have no doubt that there are many good and believing folk of all manner of Protestant confessions. I have no doubt because I personally know this to be true. I grew up in just that sort of milieu. So what does a confused young man do in his personal project to make sense of his place in the world, founders on, on the rocks of reality? Well, he doubles down. Duh. Damn the torpedoes, a head full steam. If I just try hard enough, want it bad enough... I mean, I grew up imbibing deeply from the cup of America, honoring the fathers that came before us. And is this not what you're supposed to do? Is this not good and true and meet and right? But but what if these two things, the myth of America and the myth of the West of Christendom just don't get along? Never mind. I'll just look around for a form of Protestantism that still contains as much of the undiluted myth of the West as possible, but still making peace with the Enlightenment, with modernity, and with classical liberalism. At the same time, trying to... trying to fit this classical liberalism into a sort of nationalist ethos, a populist ethos. Maybe not quite nationalism, but... I can't become a liberal, so... you have to put all these pieces together. You know, somehow find a proposition strong enough to hold it all together and really the only proposition that could possibly have it have a chance at that is uh, you know believe in me and you shall have eternal life that sort of thing you know like the only in, in history the only successful vaguely successful multi-ethnic states have been founded upon a shared religion you know the the holy roman empire and the austro-hungarian empire that followed it unified german and croat and bohemian and uh hungarian and and pole and romanian and in all sorts but of course it didn't mix them together all of these peoples had their ancestral homelands and it took me a long time to understand how you know how it's possible to reconcile these you know ethnic identity with with an um, uh, imperial identity but I guess I, I get ahead of myself so I'm trying to figure out how all this is possible to be reconciled and near me where I'm living at the time there's uh breakaway branch of the Episcopalian Church, the uh, ACNA. Anglican Church of North America who splintered away from the mainline Episcopalian uh, branch uh, because they couldn't abide openly gay clergy. Women priests, sure, but gay priests (laughs) no, (laughs) That's it. Too far. And, you know, I think I've done it. I think I've found a place where I can square all of this away, but there remains a doubt. Why should there be a Church of England? On what authority does it exist? The kings? But we don't have a king. We're Americans, right? And why do I care if Henry wanted an annulment? What do I have to protest? do I want the law of prayer and the law of belief subject to majority vote? That works out so well, doesn't it? I mean, we had just elected Barack Obama. (laughs) Look how well that turned out. So, then I find out that there's so many... Anglicans or Episcopalians converting to Catholicism, that the Pope is setting up an alternate structure within the Latin Roman Church just for them. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gotten married and I've got a baby on the way, so I've got to figure this out. So, you know, of course we, we start going to a regular, basic, Nova Ordo type of church, you know, Roman Catholic that sort of thing but I can never leave, leave just well alone you know, like if I'm going to be something I'm going to be something all the way and I take I it seriously which of course has always been my downfall so I'm reading and I'm reading and you know Plinio Correa de Oliveira and Robert Filmer and Bonald and the Moldbug and I mean, well, you get the idea. So, I mean, there I am. I, I mean, really, what the the final nail in the coffin of modernity in my mind was trying to figure out what happened to the mass, you know. Why is this Novus Ordo liturgy so inane? So, as, <laughs> as Senpai Florian says, why is it bad and gay? So, I start researching what happened at the Second Vatican Council. <laughs> and guess who I find? <laughs> Oybe, shut it down. So, let's review, dear listeners. Here I am, having found modernity to be alienating since, honestly, since I was a child. I mean, you can't help but read stuff like Homer and Virgil, the matter of Britain, the matter of France, Arthur, Roland. You know, uh, Beowulf and Tolkien. You can't read the, the romances of our people and not be struck by this mystical relationship between the king as uh, imago Christi, as persona Christi, icon to the people and father to the people at the same time as as the shelling point at which the land and the people come together as as a whole i mean it's it it is our aryan vision and it's it's only further enhanced by christianity And, you know, I mean, I I remember I was in high school, and I I once remarked to to my good friend, you know, how can we develop arate without a war or danger to confront? So, I've got nothing to protest in the, the root of the West the undiluted myth of the West let's be clear, Roman Christendom and everything to gain up to including my soul if I'm very lucky <laughs> if I can crucify myself kill myself that Christ may live within me But, of course, there's something very wrong with this this Novus Ordo. (laughs) What exactly that is, I think will have to be a subject for a later time. Perhaps next week. Wanting to read a poem for my listeners for a while so let's give this a try call this doc's poetry time the second coming by william butler yeats turning and turning in the widening gyre the falcon cannot hear the falconer things fall apart the center cannot hold mere anarchy is loosed upon the world the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming! Hardly are those words out when a vast image of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with the lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what, Rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Well, I hope I have given you something to think about. Let me know what you thought on Twitter. Good night, and as always, Ave Christus Rex. Ave Maria Gratia Plena, Ave Victoria.